I'm Melissa. And I'm Jam. And I'm a chemist. And I'm not. And welcome to Chemistry for Your Life. The podcast helps you understand the chemistry of your everyday life. Bonus edition. Bonus edition. That's right. We're going to do questions and responses today. From you guys. From you guys. We're just going to answer your questions back to you. And in case anyone was wondering, for our bonus episodes, we don't look at references. I don't study up. I don't usually look into anything. I just answer the questions I can answer straight from my brain and I just give you my real genuine response. Mm -hmm. And for anything that has more meat to it, I save it for a full on episode. Right, right, right. Yeah, because there's been many times that y'all's questions have become a full, fully birthed, fully formed episode. Exactly. So if you have reached out to us and given us your ideas and we responded to you but you've never heard them on a Q&A that's because I have them on a long list of ideas for episodes that will probably come into being at some point yes whenever I sit down to start a new episode I go look at that list and it's awesome and do not stop doing that I mean like there's several yeah. other episodes already that we've said yeah this was from this question or from this suggestion from somebody so keep them coming yes please do really um, helps me out a lot yeah and it's chemistry for your life. So it's for your life. Yeah, it's for you. Yeah. It's for you guys. Okay, so are you ready for the questions? I'm ready. Question number one comes from Anthony C. Do you, Does cool really exist? I thought it was just the absence of heat. That's a great question, Anthony. I, you know, what does it even mean for something to exist? we can feel cool, you know, great. Mm-hmm. But yes, scientifically, we talk about the presence and absence of heat. We don't really talk about, I mean, we talk about heating and cooling, but cooling is to remove heat. Mm-hmm. And that will come up even more. We've got an episode coming up about hand warmers. Oh, yeah, yeah, Okay. So there's going to be some some talk about the absence and entrance of heat when things mm-hmm. heat up and cool down. So what you're saying is basically it's kind of like a glass half full, glass half empty kind of thing. You could be negative if, if you want and talk about cool. Um, Or you can talk about heat. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Or you can be philosophical and say, what does it even really mean for something to exist? Mm -hmm. And how do we really know that we feel? Yeah. Great question, Anthony. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The next question is from JD. uh, And his question is this. Interesting fact about temperatures of water that pertains to my field is that the boat. Oh, that's JD on a boat. Your your brother-in-law. Yes, JD on a boat. You can follow him on Instagram at JD on a boat. He's a boat captain and he takes cool pictures of wildlife. And here is his question, which it's helpful to know that he's a boat captain. Interesting fact about temperatures of water that pertain to my field is that the boat will sit higher or lower in the water and go faster or slower depending on the temperature. Colder water, it sits higher and goes faster. That's not really a question, but I am going to respond to it. Yes. Super cool fact. I did not know that. But when water is colder, it has less heat. So it's moving around less. We talked about that on the sea level rise episode, Uh episode 25. Mm -hmm. And so if it's colder, it's more dense. So I think that's why it sits up higher in the water. I don't know a lot about the physics of water displacement for boats, Mm -hmm. but water that's colder is going to be more dense. Uh And so I think that's why. So it takes up less volume. That I think is why it sits higher and then it goes faster because it has less of the drag of the water on there. Oh, okay. That makes sense. I was going to say, for some reason, I thought it'd be harder to move through cold water, but it's just, it's up higher. It's on top of the water instead of in it as much. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. That's from JD. Thanks, JD. 
This next question is from Mike D. I don't think it's the Mike D that's in the Beastie Boys. I think it's a different Mike D. Uh, <laughs> what percent of sea level rise is due to thermal expansion as opposed to melt water? So this was a question that Mike, not from Beastie Boys, Mike uh-huh. Dardo. He's a real life friend of mine. Uh-huh. He's very cool. He worked with my sister at the Sea Lab in Alabama. Nice. And so he asked that on Twitter. And then my sister... Renee, who was our guest on the Sea Level Rise, she's mm-hmm. an expert, not just my sister. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, she responded right there on Twitter. So if you want, we're tagged in it. You can go find it. But she said, I'm not sure of the ratio right this minute, but while the past has been dominated by thermal expansion, moving forward, that will be switching to meltwater dominated. Okay, interesting. So, so she doesn't know the percentage right off the top of her head, mm-hmm. but the... But in historically, we've been dominated by thermal expansion, and now we're going to be dominated by meltwater contributing to sea level rise. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Man, crazy. Crazy, and she's so smart. And if you haven't listened to that episode, definitely go check it out. It'll make more sense what is even being asked in this in that question. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of these are like that, but that one's even more so, I think. Yeah. Um, you might be confused, but it's a cool episode. I could say that because a lot of the heavy lifting was not us. It was... It was. Oh yeah, it's a super cool episode, and it was we did basically basically did not do yeah much at all for it. This next question, actually, there's two from Ellen C in Australia. Hey, Ellen. Um, Her first question is regarding the actually both of them are regarding like the boiling water episode. Oh yes. So, is the vapor pressure affected by whether the vapor is able to stay over the pot at all? Like, let's say you're blowing hot air across the surface of the water. I say hot air because I assume that that would help limit the cooling effect mm-hmm. that the air would have on the water anyway. Would the water get hotter than 100 degrees Celsius, 212 Fahrenheit, um, or whatever it is at that atmospheric pressure without boiling? Okay, that's a tough question. I think the answer to that question is yes. It does affect whether the vapor is able to stay over the pot. Uh-huh. Because... When we put a lid on a pot, we help build up that vapor pressure. Mm-hmm. So I think if you were removing the vapor, you'd be removing the vapor pressure. So mm-hmm. it would have a harder time meeting the vapor pressure. Mm, I see. So I think the answer to that question is yes. Huh. But I don't know for sure. And that might be a good question for a physical chemist or someone who does more with thermodynamics. Yeah. Man, so, that's crazy to think about. It is crazy that changing the vapor pressure... Well, changing the atmospheric pressure can change the boiling point of water. Yeah. But I think if you're removing the vapor pressure, the vapor pressure is not going to be able to match the atmospheric pressure, which is the definition of boiling. Right, right. Which is just a little bit similar to like just not having a lid on there. Like right. we're about that would be a little slower. It might, might be like not super significant. Right. But the vapor is able to dissipate and not stay there. Yeah. Wow. That's an interesting question. That is an interesting question. This next one is also interesting. Ellen asks, if you were to heat water in conditions where it couldn't boil, would it heat further and further and stay liquid indefinitely? Or would some other process take place? Okay, so I think, Ellen, you're asking, like, if you just had an insane pressure. And so it's basically not possible for the water's vapor pressure to meet the atmospheric pressure. I think. Mm-hmm. So if that's what you're asking, it would just keep heating and heating and not boil until it could finally meet pressure. So we talked about that briefly. We were like, okay, if we could make a bubble on the bottom of the ocean yeah, yeah, yeah. at the bottom of the Marietta Trench or whatever, uh-huh. 
And we, our bodies weren't experiencing any pressure, but the pot was experiencing and mm-hmm. the water inside it was experiencing all the pressure. Mm-hmm. It would be really hard to get that to boil, but the temperature would be very high Yeah, because the boiling, the vapor pressure would not be able to meet atmospheric pressure for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Then if you tried to boil the same pot of water in outer space, there are other considerations, but it would be able to, in a vacuum, water can boil very, very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. So... Yes. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I forgot that we did the whole like thought exercise about being at the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. That was one of my favorite. I just have. So I just stay liquid. I have a fun. It could be 212 or 100 Celsius Mm -hmm. and stay liquid. I believe that's correct. I haven't reviewed the um, basics of how that works since that episode, but that is my instinct. Yes. Yeah. And I love the image of us having a pot and boiling it at the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. I think it's so funny. Yeah. I just like imagine little cartoon (laughs) versions of us. It's pretty fun. Okay. We've got a few questions from our most avid questioner, Stephen H. Stephen H. Thanks for all you do. Okay. So Stephen's first question is this. Can smelling too many bad smells cause permanent damage or is it merely unpleasant okay i don't actually know the answer to that question my instinct is to think that it is merely unpleasant Mm -hmm. but i know for a fact that if you breathe in corrosive things Mm -hmm. like for example hydrochloric acid is a vapor i believe but we get it dissolved in water Mm -hmm. and so when you open the hydrochloric acid bottle unless you're doing it in a hood or which has um, the airflow moving away from you, mm-hmm. you will get this strong hit of that corrosion mm-hmm. smell. And and if you can feel the burn in your nose and that will damage your mucous membranes, which I believe would damage also your sense of smell. Oh, wow. I don't know for a fact, mm-hmm. but I believe that that can cause damage and no, it can damage your mucous membranes, mm-hmm. but I think it could also damage your sense of smell, but I don't know for sure. Yeah. And I would really be interested to study the nose sensory things that we have, as opposed to the people who live in that town in New Zealand who are surrounded by the sm- dial smell all the time. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, does, do they change Rotorua. so they're less sensitive? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. That's interesting. One way you can damage your sense of smell. If you smell fire a lot and get like really close to fire and just like sniff it a lot, that that can really supposedly damage your nose. Do you mean if you catch your nose on fire? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, (laughs) yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, do not put fire in your face. Yeah, inside of your nose. Um, I strongly agree that will also cause damage. His next question is also smell related. Do all bad smells come from thiols, even sewage, skunks, burning rubber, etc.? Such a boring question. <laughs> I had a big <laughs> yawn. Boring. It's not because it's a boring question. It's because I haven't been getting enough sleep. I guess inspired by my yawn, Jam decided to pour a cup of coffee. Yeah, I was like, I don't want to be caught yawning here in a second and have to eat those words. <laughs> So the answer to your question, Stephen, is no. Not all bad smells come from thiols. Ah. One in particular bad smell is methane gas. And that does not have any thiols. It's a carbon with four hydrogens around it. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Very common 
elements in every other way. Mm-hmm. Wow. But for some reason, methane gas smells bad to us. That's so strange. It is the smell of cow manure and mm-hmm. flatulence. Yeah. It's so strange to it's so good for you, but like it smells <laughs> oh, so bad to us. That's uh, so weird. So that's... um. That's one example of a bad smell that's not from a thiol. That was a good question. I did not talk about that. So I don't want to spread the misinformation that yeah. it's only one kind of bad smell. That was just the one that's been studied a lot that was easiest to talk about. Mm-hmm. Dang, interesting. Super interesting. His next question is regarding the hair uh, episodes we had. We had two of those in a row. Do hair treatments like straightening or perming cause permanent damage to new hair that grows or just to existing hair? So he was saying like... I think he's saying if you perm your hair and, and you damage then, your disulfide bonds, will the new hair that grow also be damaged? So like the, yeah, this this part this, that's freshly coming out of your scalp kind of thing after you get permed. Yes, I believe the answer is no. Because okay. the chemical makeup of those should be untouched by the chemical treatments that you did to the things that were happening before that hair grew. But I don't know everything about hair. Mm-hmm. So there may be a way to damage the follicle that does damage the hair, but I don't know about that. Hmm. And I want to say something about hair. We have gotten so many questions about hair. <laughs> I have six questions about hair. Oh, man. That I don't have the answers to. So I'm going to have to study and look into it. And then we'll do a whole either another episode about hair or a Q&R just about hair. Okay. That's so awesome. I received those messages loud and clear. Super interesting topic. I'm so glad you guys were excited about it. I have... A this is not scientific. I have an anecdote, a story about hair damage that can just be added into the pile of hair related things. Okay. A, f- a former coworker of mine, a good friend, has a story that I don't know all the details to, and I don't know that he knows the science of it. But he was getting some thing done t- to his hair. I don't know if it was a perm or what. And the person did something wrong, either did <gasps> too much of something or something oh, no. like that. And it, it caused very early balding for him. <gasps> like, not everywhere, but enough to where he just, he shaves his head now. Oh my fully. gosh, that's e- crazy. I wonder yeah. if they damage something in the follicle. And that's what I was thinking. Like, if you just isn't, like, way too intense of some chemical, if it could just damage the follicles. But, I mean, the evidence is there. He's bald. That's interesting. So. So you yeah. can damage the follicle, I guess. Yeah. But I think with this kind of, especially heat treatment, I think that just damage right. existing hair. Yeah, yeah. Also, Jim and I have a fun, also, another hair-related anecdote. We were watching Parks and Recreation last night. Oh, yeah. After a, a dinner club hangout. Uh-huh. And Leslie Nope got half of her hair permed. But we never saw the chemicals being applied to... Yeah, just the curlers. Yeah, we just saw the curlers. There was no... Nothing to break the disulfide bonds or reform them. So mm-hmm. I suspect that Leslie's nope, one half of her head was never actually permed. It's a conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> it was just exciting that something on Parks and Rec related to the podcast. And yeah. I was like, we learned about that. Yeah. Yeah. And super recently too. I was very like, recently. hey. Yeah. Okay. Stephen's next question is not very scientific. It's kind of one of the cool non sciencey questions that we get sometimes. Can you tell us how this podcast got started? I was so surprised when Stephen asked this because he knows me personally. Yeah. But, but he didn't know how it started? No. Wow. And then I realized I haven't told a lot of people. I've just told, we had a few interviews. Yeah. And that's about it. Yep. So, so Stephen, the answer is, uh, we cannot tell you. 
<laughs> that would be so mean. It's like all this buildup. And he yeah. asked and I was like, I'll put that on the show. So actually the real answer is I'd been wanting to do a chemistry podcast or any kind of podcast forever because podcasts are my favorite thing. I mean, really, I think they're my number one hobby. <laughs> what? I just love that. They really are. Yeah. They're my favorite thing. And so I had this idea for a long time and I got my new advisor. I changed programs mm-hmm. and I'd been in the program for a semester and the summer came around and she said, okay, Melissa, I think we've been resting on our laurels a little bit, which is fine. You're getting in the program. You're mm-hmm. getting used to things, but it's time for you to start doing something. So you need to start making your podcast. Mm-hmm. I've heard you talk about it forever. You need to just do it. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I can do it. Uh-huh. And then I went upstairs and I was thinking to my office and I was sitting in this very room. Oh yeah. And I was thinking, what would the format of that be? And I thought a good idea would be to have different people on every week and explain something about chemistry to them that I had talked to them about in real life. Oh yeah. 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 And so I texted jam and we still have the text from this. And mm-hmm. I asked if he would ever want to be a, a part or on the show. I don't remember the exact word mm-hmm. thinking he would be a guest. And his response was like, Oh, I'm in. <laughs> Do you remember what that experience was like for you? Yeah, I think, well, I, I actually think I remember, I think I was driving or, and so I think I responded by dictating the messages using Siri or whatever. I was being very safe. I was not <laughs> uh, trying to use my hands at all. But I think um, in my excitement, you said something about being on there, but I also thought you were asking about how to, how to podcast like a lot mm. of the techie stuff behind it that's in my memory i don't remember if you then did ask about that afterward or something but i remember thinking mostly about you wanting to know how to podcast yes well i didn't know how to podcast yeah. i had very rudimentary recording and editing skills that i thought could maybe get me through but let's just all agree that you're thankful that jam is doing it not me <laughs> I'm also thankful that I'm doing it. <laughs> I like doing it. So I, I, that's what I remember is thinking like, oh yeah, I know how to do this. And like, I'd love to help. That sounds so fun. I loved, like I already had a podcast. And so I knew how to do this stuff and I had made some mistakes. Jason and I on our other podcast had learned some things the hard way a little bit. And so I was thinking like, oh my gosh, yes, I'd love to help. It's way fun. And it'll be nice to start like helping with this new podcast and prevent some kind of headaches uh, because I already have a little bit of knowledge about it. So that was kind of what got me excited about it. And then I think we met in person later Mm -hmm. that day for some church related thing. Mm -hmm. And I said, would you want to be a co-host instead Mm -hmm. of just a guest? And he said, would you let me, would you want me to be? And then it all went from there. Yeah. It's so weird. It's kind of fuzzy for, to me, honestly. I think I remember the texts better than the real life interaction because you have those on record. I do. I took screenshots of our text because I'm kind of a mushy person and I felt like that was a monumental point <laughs> in my life. So I have screenshots of those and we will actually put them up so that you guys can look through our real life text messages. Yeah. So exciting. Is there anything on there that we should, should we read them or like that helps give better accuracy to the start. No, that's exactly. I said, listen, I have an idea. (laughs) I don't think it'd be fun to read on the podcast, but I said this and he said, we talked about coffee 
about an episode on coffee, which funnily enough, we still haven't been able to do. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And he said yes in all capital letters, which is, you know, clear. So Jam talked to me about some coffee stuff. It wouldn't be fun to read these, but I asked Jam about some chemistry for your life coffee before chemistry for your life was even a thing. And he's offered so much stuff, but I forgot I lived at your house for yeah. a week while we started this. I was crashing with you and Emily. Yeah. You were between places that your one lease was over and the other ones hadn't started yet. Well, this will be fun. You guys can creep on our text messages and see, and see what, what the beginning of chemistry for your life was like. Mm-hmm. So that's how this whole thing got started. Yeah. It's already kind of fun to look back at that. I think as we get more and more distance from the current to when we started it, it'll be kind of fun to revisit that. So good question, Stephen. That is a good question. Thanks, Stephen. Well, I think that's all we have for you guys today uh, in terms of questions, but we love these. We love answering the sciencey ones. We love answering the non-sciencey ones. We love the questions that we turn into episodes later on. So please, please, please keep sending us messages. We'll keep posting on Instagram mm-hmm. when it's that time. Yeah. And we'd also like to thank our listeners who donated through Ko-Fi. So mm-hmm. Jim and I don't make any money from this podcast. It actually still costs us to keep up with the hosting fees and everything for the show. Mm-hmm. So those of you who have gone and helped by donating the cost of a cup of coffee to our Ko-Fi, that means so much to us. Yeah. And this week we'd like to thank Whitney S who donated and left a super nice message about how she's a scientist. She was entering data Mm -hmm. and listens to us while she enters her data. Whitney and I worked at the same lab. I did an internship one summer at a C lab. And so that was a really fun thing to hear that she was listening to us while she was putting in her data. Yeah. And it means so much to us to be able to continue to do this and maybe even think about expanding the show and what it looks like to Mm -hmm. keep growing and and changing so yeah yeah so thank you whitney and thanks to all you in the past who have also donated the cost of several cups of coffee so we really really appreciate it it helps keep the show going so thanks this episode of chemistry for your life was created by melissa Collini and jam robinson and we'd like to give a special thanks to e robinson who reviewed this episode mm-hmm.